Bill Newman, WHMP. Welcome to the show, and we welcome to the show three really, really important, exciting, I'm just thrilled that they are here guests. Helen Boston, Dora Mora, and Bob Silman. Bob, you are the youth contingent of this group. Uh, how old are you, young man? Oh, I'm, I'm going to be turning 70 years old. I don't feel like the youth contingent anymore. Ah, <laughs> uh, but you are the youth contingent here. You have two longtime members, and one, re- one of whom is a returning member of the Young at Heart Chorus. It's your 40th, the Young at Heart Chorus's 40th anniversary show that is upcoming. Bob Silman is the person who, t- when he told me years and years ago, he's planning to have a number of septuagenarians sing rock and roll. What did I think about that idea? And I told him, worst idea I've ever heard. And, well, I guess he was right, and I have been more wrong in my life, but rarely as wrong. So, Bob, tell us about the 40th anniversary show that is upcoming, who it will feature, and then I want to talk to our two very special guests here today. Bob, tell us about the show. Okay, it's uh, Sunday, at uh, November 20th, at the Academy Music Theater at 3 p.m., we're going to be looking back at 40 years. We're going to sing some of the songs we sang with the first group of, of the Young at Heart. And then, you know, there's been some really iconic songs over the years that people have, who sang them have passed, and we have new members now singing them in their honor. So there's going to be a lot of that going on. There'll be some video stuff to be seen, and... Um, it's going to be a celebration of the work we've done, and uh, it turns out we've done a lot of work over 40 years. And made a brilliant movie and been featured worldwide and on national media, and it's an ama- the Young at Heart chorus is an amazing chorus, amazing for who the people are and for the quality of the music, which is always stirring and moving and brilliant. I- I'd like to turn, if I might, to one of your featured performers, Dora Moore. Dora, thank you so much for being with us. I understand you celebrated a birthday in July. Uh, tell us what birthday it was, please, and what the date is. My birthday was July the 19th, and I was 100 years old. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm exactly 100 and about three months <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your background? I mean, I don't think we have to go year by year, but where you where you came from, how you ended up at the Young and Hard Chorus, where you live now, and why you're coming back? Well, high enough was I was living with my sister, with my older daughter. My husband took sick, and they moved us to Springfield. Well, we didn't want to come, but we did. When you have a lot of kids and they move you, you don't have no words to say. You just have to, <laughs> <laughs> you just have to say, mm-hmm, and go. <laughs> and so then I think it was around about 20, 21, 22, or 26, somewhere in there when I met the Young at Heart chorus because my son-in-law was the drummer. He was playing the drums for the Young at Heart, and that's how I met the Young at Heart, was through my son-in-law. Mm-hmm. And how old were you when you first joined the Young at Heart chorus? Oh, I guess I was yeah, about 70 or 80. I don't know. I wasn't keeping up with time. <laughs> that's right. I think that's exactly right. I think she was 80 years old. They both they both joined, and I think it was in 2002. And uh, after being in the chorus for a few weeks, we brought them to Zurich, Switzerland, for their first uh, 
major tour of a uh, no theater piece called Road to uh, Heaven. And you have since moved from the valley again. Where do you live now? I live now in Holyoke with my daughter. You do? Yeah. And But actually my home is in Springfield, in Springfield, South Bend. South Bend, Indiana. South Bend, Indiana? Yeah. Wow. It's where my yeah. mother's from. Really? Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's where, actually, that is where my home is. That's where I bought in Springfield. But then as things pass on, pass on, pass on, pass on, you have to move. You have to go where the, where the kids say go. So that takes over. <laughs> What's your favorite song that you sing with the Young at Heart Chorus? Um, well, tell the truth, none. I just <laughs> <laughs> We're still working towards it. <laughs> Maybe by 104 we'll find the right song. Right? <laughs> what kind of music do you like? Well, that's, I, well, I started in spiritual music. I really like spiritual music. It comes down to music I like. But then after I started in different different programs and different things, I faded kind of away from this and faded into this and faded into this and faded into this. Now I'm about to fade out all of it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we are speaking with uh, Dora Morrow, a member of the Young at Heart Chorus, who turned 100 on July 19th of right. this year. Uh, had you sung in other choruses and other choirs prior to the Young oh, at Heart? Oh, yes, 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 yes. I was a full church member. I was a full traveling church member for the church courses. And was that good preparation for the young at heart? Well, that separated me, pulled me away from. No, I'm still, I'm still nowhere. <laughs> I put the them toy. <laughs> I just stopped everywhere. Mm -hmm. But when I went with the young at heart, I was at, with uh, St. John here in. Springfield. Yeah, that was, that was, that was, was. So you were still singing with the church choir? Yeah, I worked with them in, in uh, St. John. I was there working with the ushers and everybody else that needed work. I was there working. So are you excited? Bobby, yes. Well, I, just a couple things about Dora that are interesting here. So you, she, she, you were born in Tennessee, right? You grew, uh -huh. up, you grew up in Tennessee. Yeah, I grew up in Tennessee. I was I was born somewhere in Tennessee. I don't know where, but I was born somewhere there. Yeah, that's right. I grew up in Tennessee. I, I grew up coming from Tennessee through the 30s, through the 40s, and I got into Indiana. I moved into Indiana in the 60s. Wow. And it's somewhere along the way, you you met Muddy Waters, right? Oh, well, I met a whole lot of them. I, yeah. So many of them, I don't know. I met a lot of them. A lot of the blues artists. Yeah, I in, met a in, lot in the of the Delta. Yeah, because my uncle was with some of the blues boys. Yeah, and, but then the interesting South Bend story is mm -hmm. uh, your son-in-law, Billy Arnold, who got a, the drummer from Springfield, yeah. was mm -hmm. also the drummer for a group called Junior Walker and the All-Stars in South Bend, Indiana. And they right. used to hang out at your house, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, You're a blues legend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, see, I had, I had, well, see, I had a lot of sons. 
Mm -hmm. Right now, I have 14 living children. Wow. Mm -hmm. And they live everywhere. And do you still love the blues? Huh? Do you love the blues? Well, sometimes. Some of them I do and some of them I don't. <laughs> Let's put it like that. Some of the blues is nice and some of it's not. Well, we but have there is nothing better than the church <laughs> music. There's nothing better to me than church music. We do have a blues song that Dora sings. Now, tell us about this. Set this up for us, Bob well, Silman from Young and Hardcore. This is, it is both Helen and Dora. And Helen's singing uh, Baby, Please Don't Go. You know, that uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, so many people did. James Brown did. But, and uh, then it moves <laughs> moves on to uh, the song that her her son-in-law, you know, kind of made famous with Junior Walker and the All-Star, Shotgun. It all comes around. Dora sings Shotgun in this one. So well, let's hear this from a young and hard chorus. Baby, please don't go. You have been listening to the Young at Heart Chorus featuring Helen Boston and Dora Morrow. Dora celebrated her 100th birthday on July 19th. Helen is the leader of the youth movement here for the Young at Heart Chorus. I believe, Helen, you are only 92. Is that right? That's right. Okay. <laughs> and how long have you been singing with the Young at Heart Chorus? Since 1973 or so. No, 72. 2002. 22. 2002. Okay, 2002. What's 20 years among friends? Yeah. So, uh, uh, your, your, your friend, uh, Dora, was a little reluctant to tell us what her favorite song was, but I'll try that question again. Do you have a favorite song that you sing with the young at heart? Oh, I... for two, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> well... Well, she, I, I can tell you my favorite song of Helen is that she does an incredible job on John Prine's Angel from Montgomery. Oh, yes. I love, I love it when you perform that song. That's so much fun. What is being in the Young at Heart chorus meant to you? It's a start for me. My children love it. My family loves it. 
and they're very happy for me. It's like after being married and having a family, and I moved from Pennsylvania here, it's like a whole new life. And it's beautiful, wonderful. And meeting Bob was the star of my life. Wow. Did you move to the Valley because of your children? Yes. And so you, you uh, and Dora share that. That's kind of a common theme yes. on, in your lives. Um, and tell us a little bit about the relationships, the friendships you have with other members of the Young at Heart Chorus. Are they important to you? Yes, because it's like family, another part of my family. And I'm enjoying every minute of it. That's what keeps me young, being a member in the Young at Heart Chorus. And I thank God for my other son by another mother. <laughs> Helen was pointing to Bob Silman as, as she said that. Bob, um, now that you're adopted, how do you feel? Well, I actually feel fantastic because I love the Boston family. Helen's got a couple kids that live here. Some, somebody may, some of you may know Sylvia, who, who's in a group called Higher Help, and uh, great band locally, but uh, all of her children are wonderful, and if I can be part of that family, I'm just... Uh, or the Morrow family, where there's just amazing children all around. I mean, it's, it is an amazing thing that we not only meet these elders, but their families and their families. These two families are just amazing families. So, We are speaking with Bob Silman, who is the director and founder of the Young at Heart Chorus, and Helen Boston and Dora Morrow, who will be performing again. It's the 40th anniversary show of the Young at Heart Chorus. Sunday, a week from Sunday, November 20th at 3 o'clock at the Academy of Music. You can buy your tickets through the Academy of Music box office at aomtheater.com or at the box office itself. We're going to come back and speak more and hear more from Helen Boston and Dora Mora and Bob Silman right after this. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Local politics is what we do best. Listen to live election night coverage this Tuesday at 8, right after the polls close. Join WHMP's Bill Newman, Dan Torres, Sarah Robertson, and a host of special guests as we break down all the local elections as the results come in. Follow all the local elections right here on WHMP. Buy a mattress online? There are at least a hundred websites that'll ship you a mattress rolled up like a burrito and stuffed in a box. Wait a minute. You and your mattress will spend seven or eight intimate hours together every night for years. Don't you need more than pixels to know what it actually feels like? Maybe you could just lay on the screen and... Hi, it's Robin from Talon Furniture. We mostly sell therapeutic mattresses at Talon. Not Tempur-Pedic, not trying to mislead you. Come to Talon Furniture and lay down on a Therapeutic. I'll leave you alone. You can see how you are together. Therapeutic mattresses are clean. No toxic off-gassing. I've been to the factory in Brockton. Yes, they're made by fellow Red Sox fans. You like eating local? Try sleeping local. Talon delivers and sets it up. We don't just drop a big burrito on your doorstep. You won't have to wrestle it through the kitchen or up the stairs. 
Allen Furniture, a real store just down the hill from Amherst College. 586-1000, good phone number, right? It's the number Whalen Insurance got when we opened in 1961. It's still our number more than 60 years later. If you need an insurance quote or have a claim, just call 586-1000. We answer the phone, ready to help. That's our pledge to you, until now. Now when you call, we'll answer, and if it's something clerical or routine, like an address change, we're going to transfer you to the Arbella Insurance Call Center in Quincy. You'll be connected with a real person there, too. You won't be entering your policy number on the dial pad. The Arbella Call Center. I told myself Whalen Insurance would never do this, but insurance agent friends all over New England tell me it actually works really well. So we're going to try it, and if it doesn't work well, I'm sure you'll let us know by calling 586-1000. Whalen Insurance. Local people, local service, local insurance. In partnership with Arbella Insurance. It happens all over Massachusetts. In every home and every community. Be careful on your bike. Learning can happen anytime, anywhere. Hi guys. We'll see you at practice this weekend. And no matter how learning takes place in your family's life, Desi is there as your partner. The Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Never stop learning. Find out more at mass.gov slash back to school. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Department for Elementary and Secondary Education. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We are here in the studio with Dora Morrow, who celebrated her 100th birthday on July 19th, and Helen Boston, who is 92 years old, and our stars of the Young at Heart course will be starring in the November 20th, that Sunday, November 20th, 3 o'clock show at the Academy of Music, the 40th anniversary show of the Young at Heart course. Bob Silman, the director and founder of Young at Heart, is with us as well. I'm so pleased you all could be with us today and give us a bit of a taste of what's going to happen at the 40th anniversary show. And I can't thank you enough personally for the love and joy and fabulous music that you all have brought to the Valley. It's really an honor to have you here, and I love your music. I'd like to go back a bit in time, since it is the 40th anniversary show, and hear a bit about where you have traveled and performed with Young at Heart. Bobby, Bob Silman, maybe you could uh, set this up for us. Yeah, uh, when they first came, it was 2002, and their first tour was Zurich, Switzerland, and they performed at something called the Zurich Theater Spectacle. They build these great stages on the lake of Lake Zurich, and they performed the show called Road to Heaven. Uh, then and then the year afterwards, they they went to Hawaii and Australia, and uh, performed there. And in 2004, they, uh, it just keeps going on. I mean, they, they they went to Rotterdam and Belgium, and then they did a a two week run in London in 2005, um, uh, with a new show called Road to Nowhere, and then uh, in 2006. Uh, we went back to Zurich, and in 2007, we went to Dublin, Ireland for the Dublin Theatre Festival, and then in, later in 2007, we went to Angers and Strasbourg in France. Um, we did a two-week run in Strasbourg, which was really quite amazing. 
And then we'd started a new show in 2009 that they were both in called uh, End of the Road by No Theater. And we started that in Manchester, New Eng Manchester England. And, and then it went to Rotterdam and Ghent. And then it went to Brooklyn. It was the first theater show that we brought to America. It was at the St. Anne's Theater in Brooklyn for two weeks. And then we went to Poznan, Poland. And then they went to Singapore. And then finally, with the last of the end of the road, they went to um, Oslo, Norway at the State Theater. So they've been around. Wow. I'm exhausted just hearing about where you travel to. <laughs> I did a lot of travel. <laughs> and that's just, the, that's just the theater shows. You know, we did concerts all over the United States where they went to L.A. Dora was on the Jay Leno show. Uh, and uh, so was Helen, and they were on the uh, Ellen DeGeneres show, and then they performed. And now, and now the Bill Newman show. Oh, my <laughs> God, isn't that amazing? <laughs> you know, you've you got to work a long way to get to this show. <laughs> was it fun being on with Jay well, Leno? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was, a, it, you know, when you get used to it, it's a lot of fun. Then you get used to you know what you got to do. Then you know you get back and you sit out and study what you got to do because when you're going to go out on the stage and do something, you really don't want to make no mistakes. But that's a little hard to take care of, not to make a mistake. <laughs> Were you nervous getting up? And well, sometimes you'll be nervous and sometimes you don't. But... When you get used to it and really get used to it, it don't even bother you. It's just like walking out the door because you can fit your back behind you and keep it going. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know who was on that show with, uh, with um, Dora, the Jay Leno show, was Charles Barkley was on, was on that show with her. <laughs> and one of our other members, Steve Martin, mentioned that Dora had had uh, 15 children who had graduated college, and Charles Barkley stood up and just gave her a standing ovation. It was quite beautiful. Wow, wow. Uh, uh, and Helen, were you on any of these shows with, with oh, Dora? Yes. Did she bring you along? It was wonderful. I enjoyed every one. And we went to Japan a few times. Yeah. Three times. Twice. Twice? <laughs> <laughs> Helen went three times. <laughs> <laughs> but it was wonderful. And I enjoyed every minute of each, each show. And what? I thank Bob for this. You know, it's like... I'd be interested to know this. I know you've performed all over the world, and I assume to some audiences that are not primarily English-speaking. And I'm wondering how that works out, if it's communication through the music, uh, what it means to not have access to the words, uh, how that felt performing in front of an audience that may not have understood all the words. You have thoughts about that, Bobby or Helen? Or well, one of the things we always do is when we go to a country where they don't speak English, or even if they do speak English, like London or England, um, we always learn songs that they love, you know, as an encore. You know, so we sing songs in Japanese, we sing songs in Dutch, we sing songs in French. We, you know, we do all of that when we go there. So that, 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 that's kind of the thing that really wins them over by the end. But, you know, I think this music that we do is pretty universal. People know it. I mean, in, in Japan, when we sang these songs people people were really aware of it and if they weren't they still kind of got that these were older people doing something they'd never seen before 
I mean, that's, that's really what happened right from the beginning in 1997 when we were in Rotterdam, Holland. The people saw these older people performing in a way they've never seen older people perform, and they couldn't get enough of them. They kept on bringing us back. I mean, we had to go to Europe like twice a year, every year. It was, it was, um, it was really a thing, you know, when we, when, we, when we got there. They just, you know, in, in Europe, they've seen so much art so much art, but they'd never seen this art before. This was really different for them. So we just have a couple minutes left. I'd like to go back and uh, revisit a question that I've asked before, but I'd like your <coughs> thoughts at this time. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that is, what has the Young at Heart Chorus meant to you uh, personally and to your family? Let me start with you, Helen. Helen Boston. My family... It's like a whole new life for all of us, my children, myself, mm -hmm. and it's like something that I know I would have never had had a chance to do mm -hmm. because when you're raising a family, everything goes into the family and you forget about yourself. And when I joined, when my daughter, when I came to visit my daughter up here in Massachusetts, I went to New York first because my other daughter had taken my mother to visit. And she said, Mom, why don't you go up and visit with Sylvia? She said, because you haven't been there and you keep saying you're going. I said, okay. So I drove from New York to Massachusetts to visit with my daughter Sylvia. And I said, this is where God wants me to be. Hmm. And that's why I went back to Pennsylvania, packed up my stuff, and what I wanted to bring up to Massachusetts and I told my kids, whatever you want to do, whoever you want to give it to, that's theirs. I'm taking what I have, and I got my son to get a truck. We drove up to Massachusetts. I got an apartment. This is my life. Uh, you, you two are inspirations. Let me turn to Dora Morrow. Your th thoughts on what Young and Hard has meant for you. Oh, I like the Young and Hard, but when I come to the Young and Hard, I was kind of kind of a little bit out of where I was going and what I was going to do. But there's nothing better than the young and hard. The young and hards are really nice people. You can get along with them. And, but still, there's a lot in you that then you stop and think, what is I'm doing out here? And when you're used to running running over here and running over there and going over here and coming back here, it gets kind of a little, little sticky. But, you know, I learned and I learned that sometimes you're going to just have to get to one place and settle down and stay for a while. So, I come to Young and Hard, and I settled down, and I stayed for a good long time. Long and I was intent to stay, but I stayed. And this is your return engagement with Young and Hard. You haven't performed with them for a number of years, but you will be starring again November 20th, Sunday, 3 o'clock, on the 40th anniversary show. I have that right, Dora? That's right, but there's nothing better than the Young and Hard. I would not be Young and Hard for nobody. It is really good. If you're in the young and hot, you're in a very, very good group. 
You can get along with everybody nicely. You don't have no ups and downs with them. Yeah, you can get you can get along very good with them. You have no problem with nobody but Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to get the Dora seal of approval. <laughs> well, you came very close, Bob. Very good. Again, the Young at Hearts 40th anniversary show will be a week from Sunday, November 20th, beginning 3 o'clock. It is at the Academy of Music. Tickets available through the Academy of Music's box office and online at AOM Theater with an RE.com. Helen Boston, Dora Mora, Bob Silman, thank you all so very much, particularly you, Helen, and you, Dora. You are inspirations. You are amazing. I can't wait to see your show. Thank you. And I wouldn't know to be with nobody than to be with Bob. <laughs> <laughs> This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Now the latest from WHMP, I'm Monty Belmonte, in for Jeff Tyler. It's a standard license. It doesn't give uh, citizenship. It doesn't give voting rights. It's all kind of a bunk, the arguments about that. This doesn't give special privileges. And it, actually, the chiefs of police of Massachusetts, the major cities, have endorsed it. And there's one reason for it. They have an identification. They know who they're dealing with. The chief law enforcement officer of the region, Northwestern District Attorney Dave Sullivan, has been a vocal supporter of a yes vote on question four on the Massachusetts ballot today and has been trying to debunk some of the myths surrounding it. It is election day, and while many Massachusetts politicos expect Maura Healy to win the governor's seat and some local elections in Western Mass are a shoe-in, it's the ballot questions that could drive people to the polls today. The city of Northampton just received a $450,000 grant to advance the city's new Department of Community Care. In March 2021, the Northampton Police Review Commission recommended the city develop a new initiative to have social workers respond to sensitive situations, such as mental health emergencies and substance abuse issues, with the idea that specially trained, unarmed citizens can better de-escalate these situations than armed police officers. The money comes from the State Department of Public Health's Equitable Approach to Public Safety grant program, which granted the town of Amherst the same amount of money last year to advance its community response for equity. Listen to live election coverage tonight starting at 8 p.m. when the polls close with WHMP's Bill Newman, Natalia Munoz, Bill Dwight, Dan Torres, and Sarah Robertson right here on WHMP. I am Nicaresco, a dry evening with temperatures dropping into the 50s by sunset, mostly clear tonight with lows in the upper 30s to low 40s. I'm Nicaresco on 101.5 WHMP. 101514001212 representante de estado, senador estatal, sheriff y fiscal de distrito, adicional a cuatro preguntas con potencial de crear o modificar legislación a nivel estatal. Las cuatro preguntas son 1. Aumento de los impuestos para las personas con ingresos altos por encima de un millón de dólares al año. 2. Reglamentación de los seguros dentales. 3. Ampliación de la disponibilidad de licencias para vender licores y 4. Permisos de conducir para inmigrantes.
A pesar de la importancia de estas elecciones, según el secretario de Estado Bill Galvin, pronostica que una participación prevista de 2.2 millones caería muy por debajo de una participación del 60% en 2018. Si observamos todas las oportunidades que brindamos a las personas para votar hasta ahora, no parece que en este momento haya un gran entusiasmo por esta elección, señaló Galvin. Las urnas estarán abiertas de 7 de la mañana a 8 de la noche. Si no está seguro de en qué distrito se encuentra y dónde debe votar, usted puede visitar el sitio web del secretario de Estado e ingresar la dirección en la que está registrado utilizando el formulario. Por su parte, la oficina de la secretaria municipal de Holyoke y todos los trabajadores electorales trabajarán arduamente durante todo el día para garantizar que las elecciones se desarrollen sin problemas. Yo soy Johan Reshivega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Hollywood Media a través de WHMP. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. And this is Talking Baseball with the Duke, Duke Goldman, a star of Sabre, the Society of American Baseball Research, baseball historian, and fan. Okay, I want to hear your view on what just happened where the team that people love to hate even more than my beloved New York Yankees. Uh, I don't believe that. Is now. Is Not in New England. <laughs> <laughs> that many people across the country hate even more than the New York Yankees. The Houston Astros are now the World Series champions. How does that, how does that rest with you, Duke Goldman? I have no problem with it whatsoever. The best team won. Dusty Baker won, which I'm really happy about. There was an article, I can't remember where I read it, all about... Dusty is the manager of the Astros, who is 73 years old, who is now the oldest manager in any major sport to have won a championship. Um, he had managed for most of the last 25 years. He had gotten to the, to the seventh game twice before and lost. He has friends everywhere of, at all levels of society. His players love him. He's the right guy, and they were all happy to see him win. So I was thrilled to see him win, and, and the best team won. The Astros are the best team. They proved it through the postseason. You know, they had, you know, depth, uh, offense, defense, pitching, and particularly relief pitching. What I, what I thought of this weekend um, and previously watching the World Series was the Astros have a bullpen full of Mariano Rivera's. Their postseason relief pitching ERA was below one. Their ace reliever Ryan Presley, their closer, I believe he gave up no earned runs the entire postseason. So how do you beat a team like that? And, you know, as far as the cheating is concerned, that happened five years ago. That's <clears throat> not relevant today. And now for the defense, Duke Goldman. <laughs> I, maybe I'll dig up the email I received from a fan of yours saying, well, when Duke said there are just three members of that team, the cheating team, who are still there, actually there are seven or eight. Um, and, well, we could go through them. But 
I have that on good authority. That said, you have forgiven the Houston Astros for cheating their way to the first uh, World Series championship over the beloved, New York, over the beloved New York Yankees. I had no need to forgive them. <laughs> no. I was never, I, as far as I was concerned, cheating has been rampant in the game. All sorts of other teams were cheating. Um, should they have been punished for doing it? Yes. The punishment was, was put, went down. The people involved were punished. Move on. Yeah, you would think a defense attorney would be all about this, Newman. Well, yeah, but there are principles involved here. Like Lock Yang- up the Houston <laughs> Astros forever and throw away the key. How dare they beat those beloved New York Yankees? Exactly, the exactly. The team that never takes advantage of anything. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Fair, honest, forthright in the American way. Got it. Okay, so you say the Houston Astros were the best team. Uh, but we often say that the best team does not win the World Series. It's the best team or the team that's hottest in October who happens to be in the playoffs wins the World Series. What's your view of that this year? Well, I, I, I do think often it is the team that's hottest at the right time, and I think that explains the Phillies, especially who only won 87 games and who came into the postseason you know, as the third-place team in the National League East and then ran through the postseason and actually won two more games against the Astros than both the bo- of the other teams who played against them, including the, the New beloved York Yankees. New York Yankees. <laughs> yes, I know. I so, know. you know, yes – the hottest team was the Phillies, but the Astros were the best team. The Astros were consistently good throughout the year. If you looked at their record all year, they were always playing at about winning two-thirds of their game. They, they didn't have you know as much streaks, peaks, and valleys throughout the year. And they stayed consistent. They also did not have – they had a few injuries, but not major injuries. And they came into the postseason playing their best ball, and they were a deep team. And this time, they prevailed – and the best team won. But often the best team does not win. And the Phillies lost in part because their best reliever didn't come through and blew two games. Right. And that's that was unexpected. But their best reliever wasn't nearly as good as the top Houston relievers. Their bullpen was not as strong. Um, and it, it, Rob Thompson, who took over from Joe Girardi, former Yankee manager, um, uh, who got fired by the Phillies and then engineered the Phillies to the brink of winning the World Series has been criticized for taking Zach Wheeler out. Yes, I want to ask you about that. So let's set this up for our audience. Zach Wheeler is the Philadelphia starter. He's pitching a brilliant game, a brilliant game. And it comes to the, what, the sixth inning. Yes. He just nicks one person, right? Uh, it's a hit bats person. It's not a wild pitch. It's not a bad pitch. Yeah, it's he, actually he nicked Martin Maldonado, who they showed on TV was moving leaning, closer, to the looking plate. very close to the plate. I yes. mean, there's a fraction of it. He could have been called for being in an illegal. No, no, he wasn't illegal, and it was very close. He was there to try to get hit. Oh, and he, he was got, definitely, and, but he was playing within the rules. He didn't lean. You know, he didn't move into the pitch. He just stood there and let himself. No, no, be no. Hit. It's true. He had a full quarter of inch between him and the plate. I got that. That's it. Um, and that is legal, but it, it was is. not a bad pitch. And then there was a single. There was kind of a seeing eye single. And then this pitcher who is being brilliant, who has pitched, what, 60, 65 pitches it's, uh, through the first five or six innings. His pitch count is in great shape. And the manager takes him out, notwithstanding that he's having a brilliant performance. Why? Because there were first and third, and he was bringing in a lefty to face the lefty. 
And, you know, he, it was the third time through the lineup at this point, and all the metrics show that pitchers don't do as well. And remember, Wheeler didn't do well in his previous game, and the manager made the decision that the metrics dictated, and that it didn't work out. Didn't work out. Let's just complete the story. The first batter up, it's a tremendous three-run home run. to 450 deep... feet over the batter's eye. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan Alvarez, who's the star uh, hitter, the the, the but it had been in a slump. But it had been in a slump. slump. That's right. Had been in a slump. So, you know, was it the right decision? Was Obviously, it? it turned out not to be the <laughs> right decision. But, you know, those that's how you look back and go, oh, well, if he'd left Wheeler in, Wheeler might have given him up, given up a home run, too. I mean, who knows? Right? But it's this metrics. It's this baseball is mathematics versus what you feel in your bones, which is my starting pitcher really has it today. Let him go. That's what the old-timers that's right, Say. but that's not the way they play it anymore. You know, Dusty Baker brought in uh, for the seventh inning. I forget which one of the relievers was. He got the side out in 10 pitches, and I turned to my wife, Maureen, and I said, um, oh, you know, why doesn't he leave that guy in? He only pitched 10 pitches. No, he brought in the next guy because their system was seventh inning guy, eighth inning guy, ninth inning guy. It worked out. That's what they do. That's their system. Um, will it always work out? No. You know, I mean, I've always felt if you have a pitcher who's doing well, why risk it by bringing in another guy? But the the counter argument is these guys know what their roles are. They know they pitch the seventh inning, the eighth inning, the ninth inning. Right, but Wheeler's on a roll as a starting pitcher. He's pitching brilliantly, and there's some feel for the game. When a starting pitcher gets into a groove like that, he can get anybody out. And he was getting everybody he didn't out. Get the and he was the batter out. Yeah, it was a single. It wasn't a hard hit ball. It was up the middle. It, it, it was been... a one nothing game, and they decided this was the time to take him out. And it didn't work out. It blew up in their faces. Was it the right decision? I don't know. I think the Phillies were going to lose that game, quite honestly, whatever they did. I really do. I think the Astros were just I've never better. seen Newman care so much about the Phillies is really what it comes down to. <laughs> he just hates the Astros. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I do hate the Astros, and we're going to review that further on the other side of this break. We'll be back with more with Duke Goldman talking baseball after this. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Hearing the verdict and hearing the words racial animus were extremely painful for certainly for myself and for the women and men of the Greenfield Police Department who really do go to work every day to serve the people of Greenfield. 1015, 1400 and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. 586-1000. Good phone number, right? It's the number Whalen Insurance got when we opened in 1961. It's still our number more than 60 years later. If you need an insurance quote or have a claim, just call 586-1000. We answer the phone, ready to help. That's our pledge to you, until now. Now when you call, we'll answer. And if it's something clerical or routine, like an address change, we're going to transfer you to the Arbella Insurance Call Center in Quincy. You'll be connected with a real person there, too. You won't be entering your policy number on the dial pad. The Arbella Call Center. I told myself Whalen Insurance would never do this, but insurance agent friends all over New England tell me it actually works really well. So we're going to try it. And if it doesn't work well, I'm sure you'll let us know by calling 586-1000. Whalen Insurance. 
Local people, local service, local insurance. In partnership with Arbella Insurance. The early bird gets the turkey and 10 bucks. Go to the River Valley Co-op website and order your turkey. When you pick it up, you'll get a coupon for $10 off your next $50 purchase. River Valley Co-op, local turkeys from Stonewood Farm, Misty Knoll, and Diamond Farm. Organic turkeys and kosher turkeys, too. Order by November 13th. When you pick up, get $10 off your next $50 purchase. A delicious bargain. River Valley Co-op in Northampton and East Hampton. Wild about local and turkeys. This is Jim McGovern. As one of the last people off the House floor on January 6th, I've seen what big lies and dangerous conspiracies can do. And as political violence intensifies, as election deniers are empowered, white supremacists are emboldened, and after our Capitol building was attacked, I'm asking you to join me in saying enough, to demand integrity and truth from our leaders. This is about freedom versus fascism. I'm asking for your vote on November 8th so we can keep our democracy alive. This is Jim McGovern, candidate for Congress, and I approve this message paid for by the Re-Elect McGovern Committee. Want to support the kind of local talk you hear on The Bill Newman Show? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And we'll be supporting the local news, valley talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com, and add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP, your message at whmp.com. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We continue our conversation with Duke Golden, talking baseball with the Duke. Duke, I I have some concerns for you. Uh, I know you're not really much of a football fan. The baseball season is now over, except for the hot stove league. There are things to talk about, but uh, how do you get through this time? You know, it's, it's, it's a tough one. It is. I'm a little depressed. <laughs> <laughs> so when when do the pitchers and catchers report for well, spring training? It's a training? little bit earlier this year because uh, they have the uh, World Baseball Classic in 2023. So they always start spring training a week or two early to get the uh, players sort of who are going to be in the World Baseball Classic, you know, a little bit conditioned so they don't go right over to those teams and immediately pull muscles and destroy their arms and such. So it'll be, I don't know, mid-February, maybe a little earlier. The World Baseball uh, th- this tournament, this is uh, a country versus a country. It's yes. kind of like the Olympics of baseball. Yes, exactly. It's yeah. almost like a world series. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> so uh, do you have some thoughts? I know a lot of our listeners actually say, say I'd like to know what uh, Duke Goldman has to say about next year. And our beloved Boston Red Sox, who came in, how to put this, last again. But they go from first to last, and first to last, and first to last. It's like a yo-yo. I don't know how the Boston well, fans survive. In, in theory, they're going back to first next year. Right? Yeah, I, I, like I, that. I know. And your thoughts about that? Uh, not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we point out that Duke Goldman actually was totally accurate in his predictions about the Red Sox this this year. Um, I don't uh, think you'd fin- you said they'd finish last, though, did no, you? No, yeah. no. I he just, said they were a 500 team. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty much what I said. He yeah. said that before the season started. He said it during the Boston's hot streak. He said it when they were losing badly, and he turned out to be right on the money. So I'd like to uh, turn to uh, one other piece of news in the baseball world, uh, reading today, that a number of players with spectacular statistics that 
everyone who follows the game believes are enhanced significantly because their use of steroids are up for election to the Hall of Fame. At least I didn't uh, freight that question with any kind of preconceived notions. That's the important thing. Nice, neutrally stated question. How do you feel about Objection, it? leading the witness. <laughs> yeah, leading the witness and suggesting the answer. But Yeah, I, this I, witness is a contrarian, so. Okay, let's go. <laughs> let's go. What do you say? Well, uh, Bobby, Bobby Bonds. I would have put, put in Barry Bonds, Barry Barry Bonds and Roger already. Um, Roger Clemens. Yeah, I think they both belong in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think Kurt Schilling belongs in the Hall of Fame. For He's that also matter. his, his yeah. name is also. But one. I don't think they should be voted on by the latest version of Cooperstown's new committees. Literally, the next year after they were just ending their eligibility, back which is in the, ten years at ten for ten which years is now, after. ten years, which they changed from fifteen years, which I also thought was wrong. But they used to make it fifteen years, and then the veterans could not consider them for five years. Now, what they are setting this up to do is. 16 people, because those the committee that is going to evaluate them is only 16 people with 12 votes. Kurt Schilling, who just made it abundantly clear that he does not want to get picked by the baseball writers, making sure that he would not get in in his last year, could conceivably get in right after that, basically telling the writers, you know, go to hell. Um, I, I, I don't really think they should get in right now. I'd like to see it you know, wait a little while let, and let Schilling, you know, squirm for a few years as far as I'm concerned. But does he belong in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Does Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, do they belong? I think they do. They were both, you know, they were Hall both of Fame spectacular players, players. Spectac before they touched steroids. Right. Whereas I, I'm not as convinced about people like McGuire, Sammy Soates, uh, uh, Rafael Palmero, who famously pointed at the camera and said, I did not do steroids. And three weeks later, it turned out he tested positive. I, I, that's where my line is, and it's not a bright line. The players who I think clearly showed that they were Hall of Fame caliber should get in. And the players who may very well, like Sammy Sosa in particular, I don't think he was a Hall of Fame player until he started juicing. Steroids. And do we care about the numbers that go on their plaques, which are obviously influenced by their steroids? I think the plaques should indicate things about, you know, that their their status. And, you know, I just as I think, you know, Kennesaw Mountain Landis's plaque should say, you know, implacable foe of integration, you know, arbitrary and capricious commissioner. That, you know, I think... All of it should be there. I think plaques should be revisited when there's more information. But Cooperstown will not do that. So I, I want to share with you something I was reading last night, uh, one of the pieces in a book called Once More Around the Park, a baseball reader by Roger Angel, one of the greatest baseball writers of all time, yes? Yes. And he writes a piece that um, uh, this is, well, he, he was a New York Mets fan, as are you, Duke Goldman. Yes. Um, sorry about how your season ended. Um, no, you're not. No. <laughs> yeah, it's true, I'm not. Uh, but he was writing, well, I, I'm sad. I would root for the Mets against uh, any other team. I mean, really. Uh, says except says the, that the, the except famous the Yankees, Yankee, except the the Yankee Yankees. fans who think, well, the Mets, oh, they're cute. <laughs> right. So I don't hate them. Ro Why Roger Angel wrote, wrote a lot about this, and I just want to share... This is about the 1969 World Series. Want to give us 15 seconds on that for those of our uh, listeners who say... The, the Mets, the who were the, the distinct underdog, lost the first game and then won four straight against the vaunted Baltimore Orioles. Who were the better team. By far. By far the better team. So Earl Weaver was the manager of that team. And here's the last couple sentences of this piece about that World Series. Later in his quiet office after the... 
final game of the series, Earl Weaver was asked by a reporter if he hadn't thought that the Orioles would hold on to their late lead in the last game and thus bring the series back to Baltimore and maybe win it there. Weaver took a sip of beer and smiled and said, no, that's what you can never do in baseball. You can't sit on a lead and run a few plays into the line and just kill the clock. You've got to throw the ball over the damn plate and give the other man his chance. That's why baseball is the greatest game of them all. I heartily agree. I think baseball is the greatest game. Baseball doesn't have a clock, although we are going to have a pitching clock next year. In baseball, the game is not over until, as they say, the fat lady sings. Right? It's not over until the last pitch. In football, when you're behind by 28 points with three minutes to go, it's over. I believe they say it ain't over till it's over they in do. baseball. They thank do. you, Yogi Berra. <laughs> thank you, Yogi, for all of it. Duke Goldman, thank you so much. We've been talking baseball with the Duke. Solo. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Josh is marching to honor his late father-in-law, who loved walking and cared deeply about fighting for communities. The old folks at the Lathrop community are teaming up with the young folks at Hilltown Charter and forming a team together. Molly hosted an accordion-themed bingo night to support the food bank. Different is good. The March for the Food Bank 13 is almost here, but it's not too late to get involved in any weird and wacky way that suits you. There's still time to start a team in March. Support a team. Come up with your own crazy event. Each dollar raise provides four healthy and nutritious meals for our neighbors in need. The Food Bank provided almost 12 million meals last year. If we can raise a half a million dollars together, that'll mean two million meals for our neighbors who rely on emergency food next year. Join Monty's March for the Food Bank 13, 43 miles from Springfield to Greenfield, Monday and Tuesday of Thanksgiving week, November 21st and 22nd, montysmarch.com. Live and local news and talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group Station. It's